Welcome to another episode of Learn with Bestern, where we discuss the latest trends in leadership development, self-development, as well as well-being. There's so much information out there. We want to make sure we bring in the latest insights and research based on neuroscience and behavior change to give you the tools that you need to make a change in your personal and professional lives. Join us on a journey to learn more. We hope you enjoy this episode and don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with others that might find it helpful. This is great. We are live. Angelique, I'm so happy. <laughs> Hello, everybody. So we are going to be waiting approximately five minutes to, to let everybody be present, one. Secondly, if there is any questions, we are going to be using either the chat inside of Zoom, because that is part of the, of the gang, of the cohort that is joining us via Zoom directly, and the other part is going to be joining us directly through the YouTube streaming. Uh, today is a great day, so we are going to leave them a couple of minutes to, just to be, uh, to be ready. And finally, end of the day with something that is quite meaningful for organizations, right? It is about how do we get ready, in, fa in fact, to transform organizations, to design the workplace in, uh, in a way that makes sense. What can we learn out of so many good either research? I have heard that uh, there is so many pilots going around, countries getting involved. I, I, I read very recently in preparation of this webinar, the, the, um, the research that is being done in Iceland so there is, a, it is a national drive to understand, in fact, what is the impact of, of, of reducing the number of days of work and mm -hmm. at the country level. That was quite impressive, this, uh, this reading. So let's... Wow. Oh, sorry to interrupt, but I, I just read a post. I didn't re read the article, but I just saw my co-host uh, from Hello Monday Club posted something about the UK starting a, a six-month pilot with the four-day work week. And he is from the UK, so he picked it up and he had all those questions already um, about the execution. So we are really excited to dive a little bit deeper in that as well and in the research and the results from, uh, from Iceland um, and add that to our experience and, and, and ideas about the future of work, of course. And um, Angelique, so let's start by just to say how much I'm excited about this, because the way we met each other is a little bit with our common passion, which is how do we enhance the well-being at work? And that was our initial discussion. And even though we have different profiles or different angles to enhance and make that the workplace become something that is quite awesome, where people feel at ease, where people are at their mental best, um, there are the two angles that we have taken is one, from our side, my side is a little bit more into the learning processes, the uh, how to use brain processes in order to help people embrace this uh, agility, embrace the change. How do, do we create mental processes and the, and the mindset in order to want to change and be at our best? And from your side, it's about the design of the organization. It's an, an, 
it is crazy that at the end, these two elements are put together in order to drive change, which is something that is in the mouth of everybody, right? Exactly. Yeah, I am an organizational sociologist, so I see organizations as part of, of, of structures um, that we are part of, and they affect us. So there's obviously a, a counter effect, but we are collectively part of structures that have an effect on us on our well-being, but also on the way we actually, um, so how we, we shape society. Um, mm -hmm. In the broader sense, so the organizational structures that we operate in are really determining a lot uh, in our lives and our society, and it's super interesting. And if you look at how you could change that and what effect, what ripple effect that could have on like well-being, but also family life, you know, just taking care of elderly people, you know, it can go really, really far. And, and so excited that we are in this active in this field in this time where we are about to change and where we have the opportunity to change. And it's it, that's that's great. It's just amazing. They call us the rebels, in fact, Angelique. We are people who are really trying to drive this change in organizations. But I think that you have been a little bit humble in the way you describe yourself. So from my perspective, so you are a, a, a person who is responsible or, or who, who is engaged and advocate for the future of work. You are a strategist helping organizations uh, define how they want uh, how they want people to, to work. You are an organizational sociologist. You have been the founder founder of Hello Monday Club, which is kind of a think tank where ideas, creative innovation is happening. I have heard very good things about your mastermind group of like pick and choose. Uh, um, how do you call it? HR innovators so mm -hmm. where you are in fact changing the way people works and you are not scared to go and try and see how, what are, what are the results tell us a little bit more about it yes thank you yes so my name is angelique slope and lead founder of helemonic club um, i am from the netherlands and i used to work as an interim hr manager and in that time we had in the Netherlands, the new way of working, which was all about more flexibility, working where you want, when you want, uh, hot desks in offices, and a little bit where a lot of companies and other places in the world are moving to right now. So it's very interesting. I can you know, put, uh, use that experience that we have in, in, for my country. Um, but at the same time, I was active as an HR director, HR manager, and I was like, well, I think we miss a very important, like critical element in this whole movement of the new way of working. And that is moving to results driven and autonomous workforces. And a lot of critics were saying, well, it is, is about managers are not able to, to let go of control. And people were picking up that narrative and people were just using that as a kind of fact and also as a reason not to change. And I challenged that. So I said, well, I'm not sure if it's true. And if it's true, we need to know why, because then we can find a solution for that. And that actually, that question was the starting point of my journey that has led me to where I am today and where I'm still on, obviously. Uh, so I went to university. I studied organizational sociology, alternative concepts. Um, and after that, I started my own consulting and I started to do it uh, fully remote. So I also left my country. Uh, so I took my laptop. I, I, I went on a one-way cruise across the Atlantic. 
never, never came back. I came back, but not, you know, to my old life. And I, that was seven years ago. And I met so many people, so many people quitting their job saying I'm traveling and I'm starting my own business because my company didn't give me that flexibility. And all I saw was a, was a talent drain. It was like, we are just, you know, why it's still so hard for companies to give this flexibility and, and, and create autonomy and, 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 and meet the employees' needs. And we need to change that. So that has become the base, my academic research and that development that I noticed, um, that has become the base of my work at Hella Monday Club. In the core, it is consultancy, but in this new age uh, with COVID, where we see that there's global trans uh, transformation going on, um, I am, you know, we are building more like an ecosystem, or if you want to call it a boutique conference online, uh, where we bring people together and give them access to a high quality, good, uh, good level of resources. And one of the things we do indeed is the mastermind for HR leaders, forward-thinking people who really say, okay, we want to be on this opportunity to change the way we work and also therefore the way we live. And it's really important that we take these people, we call them future of work leaders, HR innovators, as you, as you wish, but the people, they're not afraid to be challenged. Uh, and to also reflect on themselves and their role. And yeah, it's an amazing bunch of people. And I'm really happy that I'm like, today I live in Brazil, in Salvador de Bahia. Um, so for me, it's like, it's, it's still in the morning while uh, a lot of people here watching is probably all evening. Um, and yeah, my life is, has changed. And it, it is great to be able to share this with other people, get people involved, bring everything I've learned back to the corporate world and, and, and yeah. Thank you so much for having me and giving me also this opportunity to connect to, uh, to the people in your region. Angelique, so you are a, really a person who walks the talk. So you have decided to move away from the corporate to recreate and redesign how you want to lead your life. So let's do that also for organizations. Now, a little bit about myself. Mm -hmm. My name is Ivan Palomino. Uh, I grew up in a country that is very similar to your country, Angelique. Switzerland uh, is very similar in terms of approach, even mentality. There is a lot of good jokes that we have back in, in Switzerland, but I come from the French side, not the Swiss German side. The Swiss German side has a language that is more similar to yours, by the way. <laughs> uh, I'm an engineer, so I love data. I, 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 I cannot be just intuitive about results, um, I, I, I got passionate about um, understanding how the brain works. I, I, I dug a lot in a lot of literature and I, I complemented my education in, in, with neuroscience, behavioral science. By the way, behavioral science is something that I have used on my 18 years of corporate life because Mm -hmm. Part of the 18 years were in marketing and you use behavioral science to nudge people to buy stuff that they don't need, right? <laughs> so in our case, when we co-founded this, um, this um, startup called Bessern, a German word that means to improve, uh, when we co-founded it with Elena, which is, she, she might be in, in, the, uh, in the crowd today, um, the, the main idea is how do we create a way of learning stuff that affects behaviors and do better cultures? 
So we needed to dig a lot in, in terms of in, um, in psychology, positive psychology, neuroscience, to understand how the brain processes change. And change is difficult. You mentioned just be, before this idea of controlling your, uh, your people is such a difficult thing because we have been formatted by our society, our parents in so many, for so many years, and it's difficult to get rid of it. So what we do is to create a process of getting rid of all belief, creating a new mindset, and ultimately practicing what you learn. If it is a soft skill, if it is about how you believe in yourself or how you, uh, you believe that you can bring something with purpose in your corporation. So that's in a nutshell uh, of what we do. Now, coming back to, to the topic today. So interesting enough, uh, beginning of the year in the UAE, has been a dramatic change. And mm -hmm. I got a lot of comments from human resources about, about it. So suddenly the government has decided to reduce the number of, of working hours in a, in, a, in a week. A major change, in fact, that shows a little bit the, the type of leadership that the, uh, the UAE wants to have, the, um, also the perception and this importance that they have given about the happiness and well-being of their population. So it's a dramatic change, but suddenly HR people are found out, are found, find themselves discussing, so what should we do? Are we going to pay them, uh, pay people less? How should we organize the work? Should we have more control? And then there is a bunch of legends. You know, the big legends that, that happens about, yeah, uh, these type of cultures work better. Uh, in Japan, they couldn't be, they, they wouldn't be able to do that. Um, there is not so many organizations that are changing. So is there a proof really that we can work less and have as much or the same efficiency, productivity in the, uh, at work? Does it have any benefits for organizations? So all of this is, kind of the, 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 the topic that we want to discuss. And Angelique, we are going to benefit a lot on your experience working with so many human resources people, your experience in human resources, and the fact that your country was at the forefront of the change. So that's something that I, I'm looking forward to, uh, to start in a discussion. So, but everything starts with the situation. What is really the current situation uh, today? Is there anything that has changed during COVID or not? Let's be blunt about it. So I, I always like, I, I, I'm not everybody was talking about it's been such a huge re revolution because people are now working remotely. I'm not, I'm just leaving the crisis part and people were like having, you know, home to homeschool children. Obviously that was like, um, a very intense period as well. Um, but if we look at work itself, the major thing, I would say the major thing did not change and that was our mindset. So we are programmed, as you said, formatted into a time and present mindset. Time and present as in eight hours a day going to a certain place and there is where you work. And people were starting, oh, now we all work remotely and that's amazing, that's a revolution. And like, well, the real revolution would be if we were to change that, that, that we had a physical time and present mindset, we moved to a virtual time and present mindset. So fundamentally, we didn't really change the way we work 
at least not in the way that I think would help us to create sustainable organizations for the future. So people are supposed to be working from nine to five still, being there all the time online behind a computer available. And, and, and even the worst thing is that we even saw people starting end up making more, uh, more time and more hours because that line that, you know, where we had like that structure that was just become blurry uh, and that, that led to extend ex expansion of, of the work week for, for many people. And that in turn led to less efficiency and more burnouts and less well-being. So these are the see that um special beginning, not have a choice that to start for people and just say, okay, let's just make it work and you know be able to 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 give you all you need. So um uh, side effect work to work remotely, you see having a change their minds about um, what it means to be mentally study. Um, I spoke to a very, very senior person of a large company and he said, well, this every time we, we feel we miss some crucial information, it meant this only meant that we already did not have the crucial information. We were already working without it. So this has also helped us to define what is important for us and what is not so important. Um, a lot of learning, so people learn to, to, to organize their work differently, to become more effective. Um, and the employees, and that's something I predicted from the beginning, as that employees will be um, starting to see the benefits of not being in office, not having to commute, and they will be, they will be shifting their priorities. And what we see happening now, companies changing to four-hour work speak, uh, compressed work days, more flexibility in place and time is actually a direct consequence of that shifting of that experience and therefore shifting of priorities. So employees are saying, okay, I don't want to go back to the office full-time because, you know, I think it's really great that I can, you know, go for a run in the morning in, in that 45 minutes that I would be commuting otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, so little examples that people are changing. Yeah. So it is true that they, they has the, the we as humans, we are resilient and, and we adapt to new situations, but the adaptation hasn't been without pain. Mm -hmm. uh, there has been certain consequences. 41% of employees are considering leaving their current employer uh, this year. Uh, and this is a research, in fact, Microsoft ha has done because they are quite interested about this story about on, on the impact of remote places. And I guess it has to do with the type of software that they do. Um, so 46% of these people who are wants to leave their current employees say that they are likely to move because they can now work remotely. So they can choose. And, uh, and that goes to something that is quite important for human beings is about having the control of your destiny, having deciding how you, you want to manage your, your life, not being into the control mode where everything is systematic and pre-programmed, but at the end, it doesn't depend on you. Um, the, the reality is that employees want the best of the both worlds. So over 70% of workers want to have these flexible remote work options to continue. But there is a still a 65% that are craving more in-person time. 
with, with their teams. So there is a, a mix, it looks like a contradiction, but this contradiction, in fact, is not affecting everybody at this, in the same way. So leaders are having a good time. They feel like they're thriving during this time of, of COVID, um, th that everything is okay for them. But when you look at sub-segments, like mm -hmm. people, uh, Gen Zs, the younger generation, huh, these guys didn't have enough time for onboarding. There was no, no one to help them get into the real work. Then you have the working moms who have two or three jobs to do at the, in parallel, uh, who have been suffering the most. In fact, uh, the number says that 60% of, of, of Gen Z are really in the survival mode, in the struggling mode. And for the mothers, uh, working moms is 56% of them. Huh. So mm -hmm. another thing is that new employees are not having a good time. 64% of them are in panic mode. So, and the sad thing is that at the end, companies want to be innovative. They want to attract right talent. And we know that there is a world of talent that is not easy because now there is more choice where I can work from, where I can, uh, I can work. So, and this Gen Z, in fact, it is, uh, they are at risk and they will need to be somehow re-energized repurpose the world of work as it is today without any change is not made for them and they are the ones who can say tell you goodbye and they are the innovators they are the ones who take like solid decisions i want to work from thailand i want to to uh, to don't have an office so they can take these radical uh, decisions and at the same time the fact that they took the decision makes that they are innovators that they can bring a hell of, of a lot of value for corporations right Exactly. And this is a, so this was a development already, as, as I told you. So many people leaving their jobs because they wanted to travel, they have the flexibility. Many people who started their own business, there is a, I think in, a, in the US already almost 50%, there will be almost 50% freelancers. Why? Not people because they, it's the, probably their dream to become a freelancer, but to have that autonomy. So there's this, the need for autonomy, and I'll talk a little bit about how that is from the organization perspective in a bit, but as you say, individuals want to be in control of their own life. Um, they want also to meet the needs of their family. They might have other uh, interests, other pro uh, projects. The going to a place for like spending their full days is a very male concept that is exclusive by nature. So the lifestyle business now that a lot of lifestyle coaches already like business coaches been doing flourishing for years is like work where you want, when you want and, and, and you know have your own business that is also meaningful and making an impact. Autonomy and wanting to make an impact are two very, very important things. And we should remember that. So what happened now? Because there was already like a percentage of people leaving corporate and, and becoming freelancers or starting a startup or, um, because of that needs. But now, because of the suddenly the shift to a global labor market, it means that that becomes accessible for a very large group of employees. And if 50%, almost 50% is already considering of leaving, that is like you, there's no company who can survive 
if 50% of the employees will leave, even if, if it's spread in three years. Yeah. The companies are like, that's, that's almost no company can survive that because it's like the costs are immensely. And at the same time, replacing people is going to take you months. So, and especially because they, they're going to get back. So we want to have a look at ourselves as an organization to change that. And this brings me to the good news. The exact needs of employees are actually what will drive your success as an innovative organization. Because in my studies, when I, when I finished my, my thesis, my master uh, thesis, and obviously I used like uh, uh, all the resources, I, I studied a lot of the materials. One of the most important things for knowledge workers is autonomy. Mm. The other one is having a clear mission and higher mission, higher goal, because people want to be connected to something that want to do something that is meaningful, that is giving them an impact. And that will give them that, that sense of engagement, that sense of togetherness, and that will stimulate their, also their innovation. For innovation, we also need space. So everybody here, when do you get your best ideas? That's the question. What is your place for your ideas, Yvonne? Uh, when I'm not working on the idea, when I'm walking around <laughs> on the street <laughs> discussing with my 11 years old child about things of life, whatever yeah. it's called, that's where ideas come. <laughs> exactly. And a lot of people say in the shower, I had great ideas once when I was like vacuum cleaning the house, I was cleaning the house and, you know, going for a run. It all has to do with, you know, taking that and getting your subconscious doing the work. So, and we are trying to do, so the mindset that we have, eight to five, you know, productivity hours, time and presence hours, command and control, that is all connected to physical, repetitive work where people were, were cut off of knowledge. Um, it's a very different organizational concept that was valid and, and brought value in its time. But at this point, um, we have to move to a very different approach of work if we want to be effective. So giving our economy and a lot of space, so it's, it's both in time and, and where you want, but also in like how to execute your work is very important. But also you don't want to create like a, a company where you don't know, nobody knows each other. So you also want to bring that people together and align them. And you do that with giving them a very clear organizational strategy and having a higher mission in place, a purpose. We are here together working on improving the world. We, and we do it by our product. This, this is, you know, how we, we actually achieve that. So those are two things that are very, very important. They are important for your employees to thrive and therefore for your organization to thrive and get the best out of them. Angelique, so two takeaways from, uh, from what you just said. The first one is indeed in order that people are, that they are int intrinsically motivated, that they have motivation from within, they need the three things. Uh, this story with purpose, something that is higher than just making money. Making money is not a purpose that human loves. Uh, it's beyond that. Something good for the society, for the bigger, for the bigger group. In fact, that we are doing a beautiful thing for, 
for the people. Uh, secondly, is having the, the, the possibility to uh, to have mastery, to become better at what they what they do. This is where the learning part makes sense. So instead of teaching them, this is how you should be doing. Find your way about how you should be doing the things. Is help them with the mental process and the mindset that they can, because mm -hmm. we have been formatted in the way that we cannot. Right. That's a uh, parenthood. <laughs> um, so we were saying um, purpose, we were talking about uh, mastery uh, and the possibility to decide by, by ourselves what is what we want choosing. And that's the three elements that can generate that people are going to be believing in is wanting to stay in the workplace if they have this option. And if mm -hmm. we think about ourselves, we also want that. But it seems that when we become leaders, we forget about that. We have a certain type of amnesia about what we wanted back in the days, right? The, the second point that you, and you mentioned is like this belief that more hours is, is best, is the best. Uh, so working more hours. And, and I, I read this interesting research, piece of research by a Stanford University uh, uh, professor, John Penkevel, that found that productivity per hour declines sharply when a person works more than 50 hours per week. So we're yeah, talking about yeah. not even the, the, the normal 40 hours, but the, 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 there is a decline of productivity after 50, uh, 50 hours per week. So in fact, after 55 hours, productivity drops so much that putting in any more hours would be pointless. Uh, and, and, and for the people, I'm I would like to see that research. Sorry to interrupt. So I can elaborate a little bit on that because yes, even eight hours a day is optimized for physical repetitive work. Yeah. Nine, they they were like this was like Taylor and and got all picked up with Henry Ford. So this is still the, the blueprint of how we work today is an industrial concept. So at that time, they found out that nine hours after eight hours, productivity already declined in that line of work. Simple, repetitive, where you don't you didn't even think about. Uh huh. Okay. And that people were not exposed to all kinds of information all day. And where people just like went on a bicycle to work and come back. And they already, because this is why one of the, the reasons why we had an eight-hour workday at that time also it got supplements who formalized it and also saying there is going to be more well-being. Also, that was also a very good reason from a capitalist point of view. Because if people work eight hours a day and have a little bit more energy, they can actually spend the money that they make dry, just driving economy and bringing back money to organizations. So you don't want your workforce exhausted. Also not from a capitalist economical growth point of view. So, and now we are making knowledge workers working at least eight hours a day and still thinking that we can push that productivity. I can tell you that there is a lot of research that for knowledge workers and creative work, four to six hours a day is the optimized. Um, and my personal experience, totally. Like I am like four hours, my, it's in my mornings, I'm, I'm at my best. I also think that if people want to hire me, they should pay more for the hours that I, for the work that I do in the morning because I'm giving them the best, my best time. But after four to six hours, your mind, like we, we are exposed to so much information and we work in a highly demanding um, uh, working environment that we have to, you know, use our brains 
be, be innovative, be focused, bring ourselves into flow. And it's not possible to do that for more than four to six hours. This is why people in offices are, you know, taking breaks, doing something else, because their mind just wanders and they're still forced to be in that building. So this is the only reason that we're not going to go for that run. Like I'm literally after four hours, my, my body needs to move. I feel I'm getting restless. My mind starts to be distracted. I'm like, okay, I'm getting hungry. And I'm like, okay, it's time for, for break. And then maybe later in the day, I'll take another two hours to do something, you know, answer emails do something or like focus on the presentation, just making sure that I get the most out of my day. But I, do, I know it doesn't make sense for me to push myself after that six hours. And on top of that, we have to understand that these are the conscious working hours. During that conscious time, we, bring it, we have to bring ourselves into a flow, stay focused. But we have all these innovative problems, like problems that need solutions, that needs ideas. And then we go cleaning the house, we go for a run, we go for a walk with your 11-year-old, we go do something very different. And then you get a solution for that problem. So maybe in that sense, we are still very productive and we are still working 24 hours a day because our subconscious is working 24 hours a day. Um, the output, the actual output, the, the time that you can work on the liberals, that you can be innovative, connecting with other people is limited to be optimal. So there's other research to back that up. I, I don't say that the research that you have is, is not valid, but we just should, should have a good look at it. Yeah. And um, we will be talking about the four hour work day, work week, for our no four day work week <laughs> this is something that companies are experimenting with and countries are doing pilots and research and so what do you think about that Ivan from your point of view uh, <clears throat> so there is there is two ways of reading so I'm not on the on the approach of let's change it without validating you know why because it's a little bit like what happened during COVID. So we can adapt to the situation, but we are not doing it in the optimal way because we haven't created the right processes in order to, for instance, work remotely. So a lot of people were feeling lost, uh, maybe lost a little bit of motivation because of the sense of belonging being reduced because they didn't have these uh, habits that they had already developed in the in the uh, in the off in the physical office and they had to to do it in at home so it was a little bit a, a painful exercise for everybody because they had to learn by being thrown in the swimming pool or in the sea in the ocean in the ocean I would um, I would say so I'm a, I, I like the approach that certain countries have you mentioned for instance the United Kingdom let's do a pilot and see what are the results Iceland, they didn't say, let's do it for the whole nation. Let's do it with 1% of the, of the working population. Uh, several companies uh, are, are doing mini pilots that are where you can measure, in fact, the impact and the processes, the tools that people need to have in order to be at their best in, in a big change. Any big change needs to be accompanied by by a mental process and of adaptation, losing the fear, uh, and in order to make it uh, real, even the, tech the technology has to be adapted to uh, in order to make it less painful for for people. So 
going step by step by a certain amount of population, looking at your own results instead of believing whatever results uh, are published by any people, but and learning on the way what should be the optimized ways to deploy a, a, a big change. That's the way. Imagine, you mentioned just before about Henry Ford. So that was a time where they moved from six days per week to the, to the five days uh, per week. So imagine the big change that happened. You, so in fact, this has already happened and we have survived and people has worked, worked less from, it's just that we forgot that, that it was back then in 1930s or something like that, uh, that this major change happened. And we have forgotten that it is already existing and we have survived. People are not lazing around. It is, we have become more productive in the sense that we generate more innovation, more added value with services that we are not anymore in the factory, just uh, doing work in a, in, in, with our hands. People, com uh, companies, uh, countries have become wealthier because we have got the possibility for our brain to do, to have a break, to reconstruct, to recharge, to create connections around the different areas of our brain, which creates innovation and that brings value. Exactly. Well, there was in that time there was there was also predicted that by today we would be working three hours a day. <laughs> wow. So we see the decline in hours, but then we also see it going up. And we have a we have a nice white paper that will 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 explain it a little bit more. We'll, we'll put a link later. So we didn't go to three hours a day, but actually, if we look at the nature of our work and our society, we probably should have. So what are my thoughts about the four-day work week, or that would be four and a half for, for, for your region? Um, indeed, as you say, just compressing the work day, and, and it's the same as giving people flexibility. If you do not change the underlying beliefs and paradigms and the way your, op your operating processes and policies um, employee relationships, you might get in, problem, in trouble. So enforcing this by governments, in a way it's good, in another way it's, it is causing trouble. It's, it, it is risky, it's, it can become a risk for companies that would not be able to adapt because they have, for example, a leadership team that you know is like really far of changing their paradigm and the way they work. Um, so it would be good for everybody here in companies just also review, keeping in mind those developments and, and global, global labor market, war and talent, that governments that will, you know, there is so much going on. So if you were to hire new leaders, really be really, really selective in who you hire and make sure you hire people that can actually drive that change. Um, and so also I see that, that four-day work week, it's basically still a time and present mindset. It's still eight hours that we just decided that's probably not optimal. Mm. And it's still not giving the autonomy that companies need because, you know, you're still telling me when I need to do my work. So there is a few, there, I, I, I know there is gains. I, I've been working in the Netherlands. We had a, the right to work part-time many years. I, I was like, you know, I went back to 32 hours, even like 15, almost 20 years ago. Uh, and it's nice to have that extra day. Um, but it doesn't mean the other day should necessarily be eight hours. And maybe for some people, it works really, works better. So some people would say, okay, I love to, you know, have that 
that one full day on top of, you know, I have a Friday, Saturday and a Sunday, and it's lovely because, you know, I can disconnect, I can do all my errands. There's other people that say, well, I like to, to work in the morning and then have a really healthy lunch and have my afternoon to do my other things. Mm. Spreading those hours, even maybe onto six days, will give me an opportunity to, you know, have my best daily routine and develop my more healthy habits and spend time with my family because my fam I don't want my family to wait for four days and then be available for them uh, full time. So there is, and also if we look at that innovation that need to be innovative, that is also a um, um, something still you cannot catch in, in four days necessarily. Um, so I do think there obviously there are developments. We are moving to less hours, compressed work weeks, compressed work days. Um, it's quite interesting to see what route we are going to be choosing. I do say that we should not forget all the, the data and the research that is out there that might indicate that us indicating that a more full flex model where people can actually work when they want rather than that being dictated in a certain structure is going to lead to really human-centered and sustainable organizations that is also more inclusive um, and will just help us in a global scale to be more innovative and, and, and development. Hmm. Uh, what I like is that you mentioned that the fact that uh, that it doesn't is not because there is the change or the decision to go into the one direction we need to have to give the people the flexibility to choose how to deploy the change or something that matches their individual needs because this is what they're asking for when the, when i gave you the numbers before it was like it looks like a contradiction yes i want to be with them i want to be with my team but i i, I need to have the flexibility there are a couple of things in fact that Corporations with uh, that have been quite resilient through through these changes have done, uh, and it has to do a lot with the leaders that they have, and that's why also this big highlight that you that you made about that that leaders should be ready makes a lot of sense. So organizations are resilient; they have managers capable of breaking down problems and distribute them. That was one of the biggest impact drivers so if they are able to allocate the work to the remote teams correctly um, each of the teams are clear about the near-term goals and objectives that means that the continuous communication should be uh, should be going that they have personalized discussion these coaching discussions in order to enhance, motivate, and, and help them do the, their best in and understand them at the personal level, that is something that had um, uh, a big impact. Also, during these times, and especially, especially during COVID, employee recognition from leadership has got a big, big impact. But here, we are not talking about money. We are talking about the simple, thanks for doing this or the ovation in front of other people, being recognized. Angelique, you have done an excellent job. Hey, the team, let's go around and let's have a drink with Angelique um, or a virtual uh, uh, drink. So these small little actions do not cost a thing, but we need to understand that it is not about just 
creating the process to reduce and deciding how to do it. It is about making sure that the leaders are ready to manage. By the way, this is a story about leadership. So there was like, it was last year in the middle of the year that there was a KPMG study that was putting leadership readiness at the biggest threat that, and leadership readiness was not at, was number 11 in terms of threat before COVID. So suddenly CEOs have recognized that leaders are not ready to manage empathically in a human way, distribute the stuff, distribute the task, have clear objectives during COVID. They were not simply ready. So there is a lot of lack in terms of how do we make sure that our leaders have the, the, the right skills psychological resources because it's tiring. It's tiring to have individual discussions with a, uh, with a lot of uh, people. And the mindset where they start believing that their people can and that they can do it, right? Um, uh, Angelique, yes. I just wanted to spend some time. There is a little uh, a question here. Mm -hmm. How about automating the repetitive task of employees to increase productivity and satisfaction? Yeah, great idea. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's definitely something and it's, it's interesting. I've been speaking and mentoring a lot 